Hi, everyone. Steven Schleicher from Majorspoilers.com here with you this week with another new Top 5. We hope you enjoy this episode. It is brought to you free of charge thanks to the great support of all of our VIP members at members.majorspoilers.com. Without these fine people making a small monthly contribution, we wouldn't be able to bring shows like Top 5 to you when we do. If you would like to become a Major Spoilers VIP, we would really appreciate it. You just point your browser to members.majorspoilers.com, read all the information, check out all of the extra stuff you get when you become a Major Spoilers VIP, and sign up today. Thank you so much. Here's your show. Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 all the way up to number 1, because that's how list shows work, and this is Top 5. Yay. How, how would you say that in Spanish, Rodrigo? What you just said? Yeah. Uh, I guess... Bienvenidos a Top 5, el programa en el que contamos las cosas de 1 a 5, generalmente, a veces de 5 a 1, pero generalmente de 5 a 1. This is Top 5. There you go. And this week on Top 5, Top 5 Foreign Films. Yeah. Thank you, Rodrigo. Nice. Uh, so foreign films, I say movies that were not made in America. Right. Not distributed by a major I assume that's American. what you meant. Yes. I was like, well, I wasn't born in the United States. So technically all American films are foreign films to me. Ooh, really snap. Cheating. No, Rodrigo's number one well, Star see, Wars. So the question though is, the question then would be, would James Bond be considered a foreign film? That is like, you can get into some stuff like that. I actually very recently watched The NeverEnding Story. Right. Which distributed by American mm-hmm. yeah. stuff, but shot entirely in mm-hmm. Germany. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. Canada. Canada, yeah. This may come up in my list. Oh, uh, never ending story? No, but or this James question. Bond. The yeah, the the origin of the of the movie. Yeah. I went from it was that the um the movie was intended for an international audience, you know, for a, an audience in a different country and it came here and we were able to watch it here. There you go. My number 5 is The Raid Redemption from 2001. A SWAT team becomes trapped in a tenement run by a ruthless mobster and his army of killers and thugs. Now, you may be saying, Stephen, this sounds an awful lot like the Dread movie. Well, guess what the Dread movie was based on? Uh, what? The Raid Redemption. This is martial arts, crazy blood splattering, bullets shooting everywhere kind of stuff. I Now, the, they've got the Raid Redemption 2, and I know a lot of people have written to me about that and say that they really, really like it a lot. I couldn't watch all of it because it was more violent than the original. Um, But uh, The Raid Redemption, I saw that movie and I was like, wow, look what you can do with martial arts. Look what you can do on a smaller budget in a fixed location. Like a cramped space. Yeah, in a cramped space. And look at everything that's in there. And it just totally blew my mind a couple of years ago. I think I saw it in 2000. So after we started Zach on film. So it was probably 2013 or 14, I think I saw it. Just totally, really great movie. It's uh, uh, it's a Korea, I want to say. Gosh, I need to. I shouldn't check to see what country these came from, uh, but definitely worth checking out. The Raid Redemption, my number five. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for number five? Uh, my number five is an old classic. Okay, one of a handful of films that defined a genre. Um, that genre being German expressionism. Mm. Mm. My number five is Nosferatu. Ah. Because you can't go wrong with a Mm -hmm. Dracula story. Mm -hmm. But Nosferatu was made a a thousand years ago. Yes, it was. Just so long. So long ago. It was made like in the... 1400. <laughs> it was made People, by They were quickly vampire. painting. <laughs> they were. They were like ink and quill. That's how it was made. Um, lithographs. Anyway, um, 
And it's still weirdly scary, weirdly creepy. There's something that is just magnificently creepy about Nosferatu to this day. And in fact, the graininess, Mm -hmm. the darkness, the starkness of that film is helps it, right? Yeah. Whereas other films of the period um or previous films may now now you watch them and they seem weird and creepy when they don't need mm-hmm. to be nosferatu which was going for that is made even more so by comparison to modern movies that aren't as dark and grainy yeah. and skippy uh nosferatu and um casket of caligari are really fascinating because it's like there's no money to produce movies yeah. and no money to build sets. And so what they're doing is they're actually painting in the shadows on the wall yeah. and painting on the floor to create these weird perspectives so they don't have to build a set. And it's like, wow, just look at look and see what they're doing in that whole movement where it's like, let's just paint this right. and make it look like we want it to look. And even though it looks weird, that'll add to this aesthetic that they're going for. Just, just everything about that movie is just so weird. And so mm-hmm. great is like, here's a random shot of a striped hyena. I was like, yeah, all right, yeah. I'll go for it. it. Yeah, sure. Yep. The, the, the count Orlock makeup in that movie is so disturbing. Yeah. It is so creepy. And I will not, fall for this again rodrigo you got me to go and think oh yeah the boogeyman couldn't be as scary as i remember but i remember count orlock giving me the heebie-jeebies when i was like 23 years old and so well and, and it's rightfully you, so you go to the yeah. shot and you see the you see him way back in the background you cut to the guy in the in the doorway all frightened you cut back to the wide shot and he's standing right there in the doorway and it's like yes. that that shot Bleh. of him rising out of his coffin yeah just like yeah. like straight up it's Creepy. It's creepy. People aren't supposed to move that way. How's yeah. that guy doing that? Did you ever watch uh, Shadow of the Vampire? Uh, did you watch yes, that? I did. Did you like it? Uh, I did, um, but I once made the mistake of watching Nosferatu and then Shadow of the Vampire and pretty close successful, like a day yeah. apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Shadow of the Vampire has a great premise that kind of falls apart as the movie goes along. Mm-hmm. And also really banks on you not having seen Nosferatu recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> even as you're watching the movie, you're like, well, what about this great shot from the movie or this great shot from the movie? Aren't they going to cover how they did this or where that weird hyena came yeah, from? Yeah, it's yeah. like, nah. no, not at all. The, the movie just kind of starts with that premise and then goes in a completely different direction that you might expect mm-hmm. having seen the movie. Yeah, yeah. So having like seeing both of those together, I was like, oh, that actually makes Shadow of the Vampire a little bit less cool than I remember it being. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Matthew, what do you have for your number five? My number five, I swear we've talked about this on one of our top five episodes before. But since we've done like 500 of these things. Actually, I don't think it's 500, but it's pretty close. I'm going to say 500. Yeah. Because I, I don't know numbers. Numbers are bad. Um, when I was in college... There was a particular house very near the university Delta that always house. seemed to be rented by people that I knew, uh, people who were my friends. And like three years in a row, different people who were my friends rented this same house. And so things would happen in that house and you go, oh, remember when that was Leroy and Andy's house? Yeah, I know which house and you're talking about. You know the house I'm talking about. Yeah. One night in that house, I was at a party and it was a party where I didn't really know people because it was not 
the the house of people that I I was really close with. So I was just kind of hanging out, and the TV was on in the corner, and I could barely hear it, but I could see it clearly. And I saw this movie playing on the screen, and I was just utterly fascinated by this film. Couldn't hear it. Couldn't figure out exactly what was going on, but the bits and pieces of it that I had, you know, in between conversations and beers and everything, just really stuck with me. And when I finally got a chance to see the movie, uh, I saw it as I like to see my things, uh, not dubbed into English, but actually subtitled in English. Mm-hmm. 1987's Robot Carnival, which is an anime anthology. I'm not a huge anime guy. I'm not like the guy that you go to to argue what's the best episode of, I don't know, Kashern Robot Hunter. But this one really got me. And there's only one segment of this whole film that I consider to be weaker than the others. And even that is weak in a way that I'm just kind of like, yeah, I can, I can sit and watch this and just analyze it in my brain. But the segment that sticks with me is like the third or fourth segment. It's called Presence. And it's an old man who fell in love with a robot girl that he created because he couldn't talk to anybody. And his wife and family kind of hated him. So he built a girl that he could fall in love with. And it is just heartbreaking. The whole movie is beautiful. It's wonderfully rendered, wonderfully put together. And again, I love watching things in their native language because something that's dubbed doesn't have the same, I think, just sort of a textural feel yes. to me. When we get to my number one, I'll talk about that too because there's almost yeah. – depending on the language, sometimes it's very lyrical. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I, I can- like that. I'm one of those people I can read during a movie and I'm perfectly fine reading during a movie or a television show. So if I hear the actor doing the role and I'm reading it at the same time, you're getting their emotion. You're getting a lot of stuff from that performance. And Mm -hmm. I think that this movie stuck with me partly because you had to sit down and read it and partly because I may have been a little bit drunk when I saw it the first time Mm. and it just stuck back there in the back of my brain. But it's really good. I still have a copy on VHS, although I think my VHS tape player finally crapped out on me. Uh, Robot Carnival, check it out if you can. I don't know if it's even available anymore. You go look. I know. Maybe there's look a, the, I know uh, there's an English dubbed version. Hmm. The dubbed version actually makes some changes that I'm not happy with. It also has some really, really funny stuff in it, too. It's not just one of those, oh, God, Matthew's talking about another one of those films where some old guy has a an experience and then falls asleep and dies or something. You know hey, how it is. Yeah, yeah. Matthew, if you, you like know, anime anthology, anthologies, too. remind me after the show and I'll, okay. I'll recommend some. Uh, cool. My number four, I did not get, I mean, to me, you know, uh, when we were in, in college, um, mm-hmm. our quote unquote foreign films all came from Europe, right? Right. <laughs> so it was like, you know, there's a whole world out there of, of really cool movies. And I've seen some really great ones from, uh, from China, from Japan, uh, from Korea. And one that just came upon me just a few years ago when I, I I think it was like a year and a half ago, I was just like, okay, every Japanese wushu movie, Chinese wushu movie that comes out, I'm watching it. I don't care what it is, how good or how bad it is. And there's this one that I've watched multiple times because it's kind of an Indiana Jones story, but it's also a love story. And it's also... Uh, a battle story. It is Flying Swords of Dragon Gate. Mm. Oh, and that's a great title. Apparently, uh, apparently, it's a sequel to a movie called Dragon Inn, which I n- cannot find anywhere on on iTunes. Now maybe it's available through another place. But um, people are trying to find this lost city where all this gold is, and 
all these different forces converge at this inn at Dragon Gate and shit goes down. And it's it's fantastic. <laughs> it's really, really good. And I would really recommend it. I don't think it has a high rating, but I really liked it. I forget um, at the moment who is in it. I want to say it's um, uh, what's his name? Who's in all the martial arts movies now? Jackie Chan. No, uh, Jack- his, his, his successor. Uh, God dang it! It is bum ba da dum ba da dum. Man, it is Ip Man. Jet oh. Li. It is Jet Li who was no. No, Donnie, Jet- Donnie Yao was uh, Ip Man, oh, no, who played Ip Man. Uh, Ip Man was almost on my list of, of top five films because it's if you want to know about the guy who trained, trained Bruce, Bruce Lee, Lee, then you need to see the movie Ip Man. There's three movies in the cy- cycle. I like Ip Man better, but it's yeah, Donnie, uh, Donnie Yao. Yeah, Donnie Yen is uh, who plays Ip Man. But no, it's Jet Li. It's got Jinju, uh, who I believe was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden J- Dragon. Um, so it's got some of those very familiar faces that are in there, but it's a great story. And a lot of fun, and that's why it's on my number four. Uh, Rodrigo. All right. So I'm going to keep it German for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and my uh, number four is a movie that I first saw when I was in film school. Mm-hmm. So I also had to spend a lot of time talking about this movie. And despite that, I still like it. Wow. <laughs> um, my number four is Run, Lola, Run, yeah, oh. uh, which is a really spectacular movie. Mm-hmm. Just there are so many things that are still going on today in filmmaking that really just cracked into the mainstream because of Run, Lola, Run. Um, you know, like the the art of the swish pan is basically um, a, a big deal here. And... Um, Oh, and I have been trying to find this movie through a digital format for a long time. Uh-huh. Looks like it's now, now that you mention it, I looked it up on iTunes, now finally available on iTunes. I've been looking for this for like the last two nice. years, not in a physical copy, because people are like, what do you mean, Steven? It's available uh, on Amazon as a DVD. And it's like, no, I'm looking for something. I don't, I've got enough s- stuff. Right. Everything's now going digital for me. Yeah, it is. It, it's uh, even on DVD, it's kind of hard to find. They basically just every once in a while do like, reissue run lola run out but it's not a super easy movie to no find. it's not you don't see it at every like uh media play or mm-hmm. hastings or Red whatever you've got yeah. yeah whatever you got yeah definitely um so it's it's not that not, not that common to see but it's a great movie it's just great action great characters mm-hmm. super simple in a way mm-hmm. but also very complex it's like it's a movie that has a simplicity in its plot but great complexity in the way that it was put together and not in a complicated way but a complex way a very like caring way that makes it very kinetic and fast Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it's it's really good i'm glad that you mentioned it and then i looked it up and it's there now i have something to watch this weekend (laughs) matthew what do you have on your number four my number four actually came about as a part of the original format of zach on film uh, because, you know, we were trying to teach Zachary about great movies that he had never seen. And then he came Turns back out at it's us. also a lesson on great movies Matthew has never seen. Uh, well, I, there were I a got, few. I got plenty. <laughs> I got plenty of movies that I hadn't seen. Yeah, yeah. On film. yeah, I would say probably maybe one in four, maybe two in five I hadn't seen. One of the ones I hadn't seen was one that Zach had brought up. La Grande Bellezza, The Great Beauty mm-hmm. from 2013. I really got into this movie and I was... Kind of surprised because it's not a movie that 
on the surface of things looks like it should jump up and appeal to me. Yeah. It's not something that I would have ever sought out. Let's put it that way. And I've, you know, I've seen, what is it? Eight and a half. Is that uh Feta yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. I've seen some of these classic movies with this similar sort of tone and that similar sort of, uh, approach to the material it's not necessarily something that i think is my favorite but for some reason this movie just grabbed me whether it was the the performances whether it was just the execution of it all i don't know but it's another one that we saw dubbed or not dubbed rather uh subtitled Mm -hmm. uh so it was in the the italian and then we got to read it and again it was a really great experience because the actors would get mean or snippy or you know weird or funny and you'd hear that in your voice and then you could read what they were saying in English. I I don't know, for some reason this one just stuck with me. This is one that I I think I will watch again of my own accord given a chance, which is not something that I usually say about movies that are culturally significant, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, best foreign language film at the Academy Awards. Not necessarily something you're going to find to be watching in between showings of Transformers, the movie, and The Black Hole. 1986 was a good year for cartoons. Uh, but <laughs> nonetheless, my number four, Paolo Sorrentino's The Great Beauty. Man, I just realized, dang it. Hmm. Yeah. I forgot animated foreign films. Uh-oh. Because there would actually be an animated foreign film on my list. Uh, it may really be on dumb. my list. Okay, that's fine. Stay uh, with me. I, I am not a person who likes gory, gory stuff. I don't like seeing people getting hacked to death. I don't like seeing, you know, decapitations and blood spurts everywhere and just weird sexual kinks things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not my thing. In 2003, though, someone said, Stephen, there's this movie you absolutely have to see. And I had to order it from Japan because it wasn't available here in the United States. And that's fine because I'd been ordering a lot of uh, Miyazaki films um, from Japan and watching them on our player and subtitled and everything. And it tells the story of how in the future the Japanese government keeps kids from just wilding it out. Oh. And the way it works is the Japanese government captures a class of ninth graders mm-hmm. and forces them to kill each other. To keep all the other kids apparently in line. Uh, and you I like, popped this like in. the Hunger Games. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I popped this movie in. I was right after my wife and I were married. And I remember we were at the old house. And I popped it in downstairs. It was during the summertime. And I, at the time, wasn't doing anything else but teaching. So summertime, I head off. And the things that I saw in Battle Royale, just I was like, no, 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 stop. <laughs> and then afterwards, I was like, okay, now I'm desensitized. This wasn't awful, but I see what they're trying to do in the film and I can appreciate what they've done. And it has influenced a lot of other things going forward. And so Battle Royale from 2000, from the year 2000, uh, is on my list at number three. Crazy. It is. It's a crazy movie. It is bloody and bizarre and gory. And if you don't get a stomach film or is that digital? Well, I think it was shot on film in 2000 because uh, digital filmmaking didn't really come about until – uh, Superman Returns. It, it was just, it kind of felt George Lucas like, was doing some of it, but no, this was yeah still. Filmed. When I watched it, it felt like it had some of the immediacy of a videotape production. There may which, be segments that were done that way because a lot of it is um, you see stuff done from surveillance camera point of view. That could be it. And uh, but I, I think it was done on film. Mm. 
Rodrigo? Another German movie, perhaps? Uh, no, oh. actually, I'm going to jump over to Japan. Okay. You're going to join me in the Battle Royale? Yes. Okay. What you got? Uh, which I think is great because it's like <laughs> we did a German movie, then an Italian movie, then a Japanese movie. So we, we've yeah. hit the axis. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so my, what are we at? Number three? Number three. three. My number three is a movie that is not very well known, mm-hmm. I, I think. There's a Japanese movie called Tampopo. Mm. And it is the story of a kindly woman who opens a noodle shop and kind of collects this weird group of characters that help her with it. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, we see these isolated vignettes that kind of use food as a metaphor Mm. for other things. Mm -hmm. And also, some of these vignettes do end up kind of being connected, and it's like the story of this weird gangster. Hmm. It's such a weird movie. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um and the characters are all kind of like very nice to each other. Like some of them are rough around the edges, but they come around. Mm-hmm. Um I don't remember like I saw this movie a long time ago and I sometimes when I we do top five and, and or anything else and we do movies like that, I'm like, I should really go back and watch this because before I talk about it, just in case there's something like really problematic <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah. it yeah, yeah. that I didn't catch as like a, a teenager watching it. Right, right. Um but I don't recall anything like that here, other than the fact that you actually do see a turtle, an actual live turtle, being killed for reals right. on camera for the purposes of cooking it. Right, right. Something right, that right. you wouldn't see in an American movie. Yeah. Like even if they were going to slaughter a cow, they would do it with effects. Mm-hmm. But you know, right. and that is like they just go to a restaurant and you watch somebody who's not in the movie, like an actual restaurateur, like an actual person who owns a restaurant kill a turtle drain it yeah and then go on and cook it yeah so it's like kind of you know something that you really wouldn't expect yeah um yeah it's super weird if you can get your hands on it i really recommend watching tom popo it's just a movie that i wasn't expecting Mm -hmm. like if anybody had been like uh describe a fun movie i would not have described this it's just Mm -hmm. super weird yeah cool uh matthew what do you have for your number three my number three i don't i since you hit the axis was actually from an occupied portion of Europe. <laughs> That's probably terribly offensive. From uh, Le France, which is uh, French for Le France. I don't know how to pronounce it in French, but I like to speak as though I speak French. So when I say Le Planète Sauvage, Fantastic Planet, 1973, it's animated, but it's animated in more of a like a stop-motion kind of cutout thing mm-hmm. that's really, truly wonderful. I first saw this as a kid in the 80s on Night Flight on the USA Network. A lot of important things, including the next thing on the list, pay attention, uh, first came to me through Night Flight. And it's the story of a weird sort of futuristic, but not entirely futuristic world where human beings are basically pets slash insects slash cattle for these giant creatures the drugs and because it's an animated film and because it's a french animated film you would think it might be hard to to come up against but there isn't a whole lot of dialogue to be had they don't speak english in this movie because it's this weird world which may be the future of the past of the future i don't know but there's very little voice work in it 
So it's all about the execution of the story. And the story is really trippy and really wonderful and really weird. And weird in a way to where I really don't remember clearly how this movie ends. But the parts that lead up to it and the weird alien landscapes and the sight of these, you know, clearly humans, teeny tiny little humans trapped in this strange alien world will stick with you. Definitely stuck with me. To the point where, you know, I may have possibly had nightmares about it, but then I have nightmares about everything. It's the way my brain works. Um, In any case, I highly recommend this movie, and I think I accidentally saw it on Cable Cable maybe a year or three ago. So I know that it still exists. It's not one of those lost things, but you very, very rarely will see it on, like, retro television or something. Uh, Fantastic Planet in English I won't overpronounce it in French again for the French-speaking listeners because I probably hurt them really bad. Cool. All right. There, there are just too many really good foreign movies. We may have to do a top five foreign movies part two. Yeah. There you go. At some point, sure. because the, the, the I'm looking five. at my, I'm looking at the other things. I'm like, ah, oh, this should have been on my list. This should have been on my list. It's really sure, hard to sure. go through. Yeah. Uh, well, just like the majority of the show is just going to be our also rants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, our top five also ran foreign films. Yeah. There you go. Um, there you go. so, uh, I, at one point I was living in California working for a, a web company in 2000, right at the time when you shouldn't be working for a web company. But, uh, we were all <laughs> in a big pit. Uh, basically that's the writer's pit. And, uh, the person who sat next to me at, at his desk, David Nagel, uh, just started getting me into a lot of the foreign films, uh, that were going on. And of course, being in Southern California, having access to a variety of different theaters that would show different things. I was also exposed to a lot of really great films. And at the time being single, um, I didn't really have a lot to do during the holidays. And so Christmas became a very important time for me to go to the movie theater, like on Christmas Eve, Christmas day, and just burn through movies. Like, uh, when we get to my number one, it was the final film of my 2001 movie marathon where I got up in the morning, got the paper, this movie starts at 8 o'clock. This movie starts at 11 o'clock. This movie starts and went all the way until 10 o'clock that night. But um, in 2000, BMW Films was putting out a series of shorts called The Driver. And The Driver would be driving people around in different uh, ways and uh, different famous directors were taking stuff on. And there was one called The Star. And it never named the, uh, the star by name in the piece, but it was Madonna. And the director was just totally going bonko crazy on this piece. And I'm like, who is this? And in 2000, I was introduced to the man, Guy Ritchie. Also that Christmas, David is like, hey, man, there's a Guy Ritchie. If you like Guy Ritchie, there's a Guy Ritchie movie coming out. You need to go see it. Snatch came out in 2000. So I saw that on a Christmas in, in 2000. But that's not, the, that's not my number two. I love Snatch so much. <laughs> that I went out and found at one of the many DVD stores that were available at the time, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels by Guy Ritchie. Oh. And the problem was that I watched Snatch and Lock, Stock, and, and Two Smoking Barrels like back-to-back, and there are similar characters, similar situations, similar actors. Um, so I always get the storylines of the two movies mixed up. But it's a card game gone wrong and these guys have to essentially steal two or they come into possession of two stolen antique guns that are going to get them out of trouble and um it is just a 
it's I think it's one of Guy Ritchie's best films. Now, granted, he's done some other stuff that rank up pretty high, but Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels is funny. It is action-oriented, and it's just a different take on film than what I had really been used to. And if you've seen Snatch and you know the slow, fast, slow that Zack Snyder has made famous, well, he's learning it from Guy Ritchie, who was doing it a lot. But I don't know if you guys have seen Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, but it is. I love that film. Yes. And and let me tell you that if you think that having watched those two in close proximity will make you confuse them, try watching them like 10 years apart. Yeah. And then and they'll still have 10 yeah. more years I mean, happen and afterwards. And that's the, that's the problem. Like, it's the exact same actors in yep. a lot of the roles and a lot of the exact same situation. So it's like Guy Ritchie made Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, and it was a huge success overseas. And then it's in America. It's like, well, what would you like to do next? Oh, I'd like to do something, something. We want to hire you, Guy Ritchie. Uh, oh, and Brad Pitt wants to be in your movie. Oh, well, uh, I need to do something. And it's almost like you can see little vignettes being pulled sure, out of sure. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and plop down here. Um, but, man, I like that movie so much. <laughs> Have you seen it, Matthew? No. Oh, well, man, you need to watch did. it. You need to watch it. It's, it's worth it. Didn't we watch that for Zach on we Film? We watched Snatch for yeah. Zach on Film. Yes, okay. we watched Snatch on Zach on Film. So you've basically seen Lock, Stock. Movie. Yeah. What do you got for number two? What do what, I got for number two? What you okay. got? What you got? So my number two is an animated film, um, <gasps> also from Europe. Ah, okay. Um, and uh, from France. France? Yeah. Also a France France film. It is a <laughs> French animated film. Okay. Um, it is the story of a woman whose uh, grandson gets kidnapped. And she has to travel to the American city of Belleville to rescue him with the aid of these uh, an old uh, song and dance mm-hmm. trio. Yeah. Um, the Triplets of Belleville. Yeah. A just a magnificently weird movie. That came out with just, like 80... Uh, this is 2003. Oh, 2003. For some reason, I thought that was like 89 for some reason. No, it's it's pretty recent. Yeah. But it's a period... I have period, seen it, though. It's a period piece yeah. um, that also has in and of... Like, it starts, you know, 40, 50 mm-hmm. years prior to mm-hmm. it being a period piece about, like, the U.S. and, like, the 40s. Mm-hmm. So, um... Now maybe the times aren't maybe. quite right there, but it like won but, an Academy Award, right? Didn't it that year? Um, I think it did. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, like the whole movie starts with like a nineteen twenties like animation, mm-hmm. um, also featuring just so many like animated celebrities: Fred Astaire, Django Reinhardt. Mm-hmm. Um, super weird, just yeah. so weird. And then like the style changes drastically right after that section. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's impossible to describe. Like if I went, uh, you know, blow by blow by blow, and what happens in the triplets of Belleville, you wouldn't believe me that it's a movie. So I I strongly recommend that you watch it. It's a little slow at times. But um, it makes up for it by being super weird and having a car chase in it that is simultaneously probably the most like the most entertaining and slowest car chase mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Oh wow! Yeah, I, rem- I remember seeing that. It's yeah. been a long time. Probably maybe two thousand three. So, yeah. uh, Matthew, what do you have for number two? My number two 
also uh, was introduced to me in the 80s by Night Flight, the late night USA series. Uh, now, this is important. This is very important because Stephen likes to make fun of me about this thing about which I am going to discuss. And I'm going to tell you first and foremost, don't listen to Stephen when he makes fun of me about this stuff because it's mean. Um, but one of the things that Night Flight aired was dubbed episodes of a Japanese television show called Kagaku Sentai Dynaman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was uh, season five or six of the Super Sentai series, which eventually came to America as Power Rangers. Uh, but this, this particular season was like 1980. The actual Sentai series went from 1977 to the present. As of this, this moment, it's still on the air. 2011, they had their big 35th anniversary year. And each year, they did a full-scale movie in the theaters. And this is very important, my friends. You need to go and see my number two, Go Kaiger, Go Sager, Super Sentai, 199 Hero Great Battle from Japan. A tokusatsu film of, of, of amazing breadth because it starts with 199 heroes i like my superheroes i like my superhero fighty fighty and i like the fact that they managed to pretty much gather i think every stuntman in the entirety of the country put each one in a colorful costume and had a battle sequence that actually works at introducing nearly 200 characters granted sometimes five and six at a time teaming up uh, people with similar themes, really clever stuff throughout this. And what it breaks down to is a team-up film between the 2010 and 2011 uh, teams of heroes, but it also serves as kind of a celebration of everything that's come before. You ask me, how is this above the, the movies that were lower on the list? And I'll tell you why. It actually has a sequence where like 14 or 15 pink rangers go into battle all together. That right there, you're sold. You're done. You got to buy it. You got to go see it. It's actually a really impressive achievement because there are hundreds of people on screen at a time. And if you think how difficult it is to just try and block out a fight between two guys, you know, we talked about that episode of Daredevil some mm -hmm. time ago where they had the fight and there's what, six goons and Matt Murdock Beautiful fight, beautifully staged, beautifully put together. Now multiply that times 50, and everybody's wearing helmets and has no peripheral vision. And then also make a story that kind of works and makes sense. I, I don't speak Japanese. I haven't watched all of the, uh, the sen Super Sentai. Well, I haven't watched all of the Super Sentai. But going into this, you don't need to know all that stuff. It's a good, exciting, fighty-fighty movie. It's got, you know, your little subplots. It's got cute stuff going on and villains and guys who show up. If you know who they are, it's great. And if you don't know who they are, well, okay. You just point and you go, hey, that guy looks like Elvis wearing a bug-eyed helmet. That, it, that right there is entertaining, which is why my number two is Go Kaiger, Go Sager, Super Sentai, 199 Hero, Great Battle. It's a good movie. Cool. That was a theatrical release? Yeah, cool. theatrical release. Cool. I showed it to Rob and Brian last year at Nerdtacular, and they stopped making fun of me. Mm. Rob, Rob was like, oh. I think I you probably became scared so of you or something. With. Yeah, that's clearly yeah, it. Yeah, that's clearly it. That's clearly so, it. So uh, in 2000, I was living in California, and uh, that year, that Christmas, I got to see Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I saw Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? 
Uh, I forgot. There was a third or fourth movie that I saw that year that really, really struck me as something fantastic. In 2001, by the end of 2001, I was in Kansas, uh, but I was like, you know what? I had so much fun in California. I'm going to go spend my Christmas holiday back in California. And of course, Christmas Day had to have been Christmas Day because I must have gone because I also made a, a habit of also going to Disneyland on Christmas Day, which is a crazy thing. If you've uh, not done it, it's quite the experience. But uh, then it was movie time and I was like, well, what am I going to see? And I started the morning off because the year previously I had seen Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and loved it. So I decided to see another Coen Brothers movie, The Man Who Wasn't There. And then the college theater down in Irvine uh, was having a uh, replay of The Tao of Steve, which came out in 2000, but they were reshowing it in 2001. So I saw that. That's got Donna Loge in it. Not a foreign film, but definitely worth your time. The last film of the night. Didn't know anything about it, but I was like, I'm kind of liking going to these small theaters. I will go check this movie out. It is just released. In fact, when I saw it, I think it was probably only playing in four screens in the United States. And I'm thinking it may be the first time that I actually was in a theater and saw a movie with subtitles. I can't be that can't be right. But maybe it was. Maybe that was the first time I really saw something that it was nothing but subtitles. And I fell in love with this little French girl who was having all these difficulties in her life and was just looking for love. And I, the other thing I was surprised with is this Christmas Eve or no Christmas day, sorry, Christmas day into the day. And the movie theater is packed in this really small off the beaten path movie theater, but is the story about an innocent, naive girl in Paris with her own sense of justice. And she decides to help those around her in the process. She finds love It's the 2001 box office smash. Amelie. I love that movie. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yes. You have? What do you think? You like it? I thought it was okay. I just, I, there was something about that movie, just sitting in a, in a theater of people and seeing that and just going, wow, this is, look at everybody's reaction. I just, uh, such a great movie and worth checking out. And it's my number one foreign film. Although there are many others that will appear on the next time we do our top five foreign films. Uh, but, uh, the minute that the topic came up, I was like, Oh, Amelie's got to be on number one on my list. So, um, just love that movie. I haven't watched it in a couple of years. I had to sit down and watch it again. Rodrigo, what do you have for number one? Uh, my number one is a Chinese martial arts movie. What? Um, it is a story of love that is unrequited. It is a story of... Uh, ancient grudges. It is a story of law and order and honor. And it is not Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay. Mm. Um, it is, in fact, kind of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon light. Mm. Um, it is a much, sh- like, I, I, at least it feels shorter. Yeah. Um, Leaning tiger, uh, comfortably sitting dragon. That's right. Um, it's, it's actually just... Uh, it's actually just Hidden Dragon. They just couldn't afford the, the tiger. <laughs> the rest. Um, no, it's uh, released in the United States as Hero, yes. starring Jet Li. I love that movie. Um, that one's a it is too. a great movie, and it is a movie that is very overt about what it's doing, and in the process, kind of blindsides you with the little twist at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It is a movie that has kind of a Rashomon thing going where multiple characters are telling stories or going back and retreading mm-hmm. stuff that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really fantastic because the color in it yes. is really bright, really obvious that when one character tells a story, everything's like bright red, red or yellow when or one green. one character tells a story, there's like all this like golden fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, just everywhere, uh, you know, it just kind of really builds this, um, this tale as a bunch of different interconnected stories, some of which contradict each other. And in the end, it all kind of comes together. You figure out which stories are the correct ones Mm -hmm. and, um, what the hero must do, which is not necessarily what you expect them to do. Mm -hmm. Um, it stars Jet Li. Yep. Uh, Basically, everybody from Crouching Z, Tiger. Yeah, Z Zhang, Maggie Chung, mm-hmm. Tony Chu, um, and uh, Donnie Yen. Yeah. Um, Donnie Yen doing just an amazing job in that spear fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is like, I love that fight. Yeah. That fight is probably my favorite fight in martial arts have, movies. Have you seen Ip Man? I have seen okay, Ip Man, right. and and it's fantastic. Like Ip Man is great. I don't know which Ip Man it was. Like his fight with Sammo Hong is really great in it. Um, but that fight with the like spear yeah. versus sword kind yeah. of stuff, and it's like they pause and it's like the the raindrops um, and the guys playing the yeah the the guitar the, yeah the 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 string player. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the instrument was. Um, he's like, oh, a fight's gonna break out, and he starts packing up his stuff, and they're like, they're both like, no, no. Please continue to play, and they both put money in his uh, mm-hmm. his little cup, and he plays throughout the whole fight. Um, it's really yeah. just it's just like a really fun, stylish movie, super over the top. I mean, you've got characters having small, quiet moments. You've got characters jumping from rooftop to rooftop, fighting swinging on the, a sword, fight, fighting on the bamboo, right? Yeah, yeah, swinging swinging swords and just like swatting hundreds of arrows away at at once, just. At once, like, uh, really beautiful and really ridiculous in a way that only, yeah. like, a wuxia w- movie can w- really yeah, do. Yeah, it's the wuxia wirework yeah. movies because you can tell everybody's just flying on wires yeah. throughout the yeah, whole it's, thing. It's really great, you know, characters fighting over a pond and then just, mm-hmm. like, briefly just touching the water and bouncing yeah. off. Just insane. It's, Crazy. It's just so, really it fantastic. is so worth going to see and, that or getting that movie. And, and actually much lighter than a lot of those yes. movies tend to be. The fights don't drag like a lot of them, uh, like a lot of movies seem to. Um, the characters are pretty broad but well portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just really a, a really fun movie and one that after watching it, like anytime I watch it, I really like it. But afterwards, I'm like, man, if I never see another strip of fabric again in a movie, I'll be I'll be fine. Um, because of my friend Dave, we had found this connection, this importer from China that we were actually getting a lot of these movies from. So like battle Royale came from this. Um, but when hero, when I heard that it was coming out, mm-hmm. it was like, I got in contact with that, with that guy, totally legit movie. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I got the, got the DVD of that before it arrived in America as a release here. So I'd watched it like three or four months before other people had seen it. And it was just like mind blowing. But of course you had to have a region free DVD player to, uh, to watch it. Yeah. So that was the only bad thing. All right, Matthew, it is time for your number one. My number one comes from probably the most far away and alien lands of any of the movies that we've covered so far today. Um, There are a lot of stories 
that are very, very old, ancient tales that get carried down and carried down and carried down. And oftentimes you'll see those stories appear over and over and over on film, specifically the works of William Shakespeare dating back to, I don't know, like the 15th century or something. And you will see these iconic tales popping up in new ways and different ways. Notably, of course, uh, that Heath Ledger joint, which was basically the taming of the shrew. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's got probably Ten things I hate about you. Yeah, she's all that. There you go. Oh. Yeah, she's all that. That's clearly <laughs> what it was. But for my money, you don't get better Shakespeare than Hamlet, which is why my number one is probably the best adaptation of Hamlet I've ever seen from 1983, a Canadian film, The Adventures of Bob and Doug McKenzie, colon, Strange Brew, uh, featuring Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis, noted Shakespearean actors themselves. Uh, the McKenzie brothers basically get caught up in the events of Hamlet. Uh, as in the original text, they, they find out from a haunted video game that uh, the CEO of the Elsinore Brewery was murdered uh, by his his own brother-in-law. Um, it's got really entertaining bits and pieces to it. It's got a little cameo by Mel Blanc doing voice work. Um, dating back to the 80s, it's actually got early computer stuff. Uh, Bob and Doug uh, find a computer desk and try to play it on their uh, turntable. But um, really, I think the best part about this entire thing is it comes from the strange alien world of Canada, where all things Canadian come from. Um, and they call it the Great White North, but it's it's truly an inexplicable land of wonders. Uh, you can find a mouse in a beer bottle, apparently, if you know where you're looking. Yeah, take off. And exactly. And more than that, it's a funny movie. <laughs> and it's it's got some dumbness to it, but the dumbness is so good natured. Hey, listen, that's how I learned how to put out a fire. Exactly. Exactly. Or the point where uh, they discover that the armies of uh, skating hockey dudes are controlled by music. Yeah. And if you play dun, 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 then they all fight. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You have to really enjoy that movie, Uh, especially, you know, when uh, Doug is trapped in the the beer uh, vat and has to drink his way free. (laughs) I got to pee so bad I can taste it. Plus, you know, Rick Moranis, I think, is one of the great underestimated uh, comedy voices of our time. You think of some of the best movies in the world, the funniest movies in the world, and you will probably find some Rick Moranis in it. You got your Ghostbusters. You got your Parenthood. You got your Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, and Honey, I Shrunk the Other Kid. Spaceballs. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Spaceballs. Again, it's one of those moments where it's iconic, it's Shakespearean, it's wonderful, and it's from Canada. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you put that all together, it spells mother. And that's why my number one, Strange Brew, The Adventures of Bob and Doug McKenzie. Oh, man, you got to love Rick Moranis, a guy who gave up his entire <laughs> acting career after his wife died so he could yes. focus on just raising his kids. That's, yes. That's, that's- that's, That's really amazing. cool. That is, and of really course, classy. Dave Thomas, uh, also the founder of Wendy's. <laughs> Different Dave Thomas. <laughs> no, 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 no. Dave Thomas founded Wendy's, and then he had this sec- second successful career. Uh, do you ever watch the old SCTV bits? Yes. Well, where it's not like, recently. I watched them when they first came out. I really love the fact that Dave Thomas is 
so good at chameleoning his way into shots while he's clearly just playing Dave Thomas. Yeah. It's like he'll he'll do a voice or he'll do a funny accent or a wig, but it's always like, "Hey, I'm Dave. Hi." You know, you you have to appreciate that level of commitment to to devote yourself so much to the role that you actually come back around to just being yourself. You have to love that. Yep. All right, listeners, there you go. Our top five foreign films. And now you have a task ahead of you. First of all, you have to watch all of our films. Exactly. You can find many of you can find many of those films uh, through our Amazon link at majorspoilers.com. You click on that, you buy your your movie on your DVDs or your whatever that you buy it on your Amazon Primes. A little bit comes back our way, and we're able to do this show, and we're able to bring you another Top 5 Foreign Films podcast in the near future. The other task you have ahead of you is to use the comment section of the podcast posting page. You'll find a link there in the show notes. And uh, we want to know what your Top 5 Films are, and most importantly, why this film showed up on your Top 5 list. Super Sentai 199 Heroes, as low as 1787. You've got your tasks ahead of you, and until next time, remember... Everybody loves a list. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.